of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 269. It's just Jason Lindgren and I today. And we're going to revisit the idea of color, vibration, to a small degree, what actually an element is. The first couple bullet points that we cover here, we'll probably do a queue up for a different episode where we finally take on the periodic table because I have issues with that all day long. But in the opening here, we'll go over the idea of ketones a tone being like a musical note, that kind of tone, and we'll move into color. And what we found is when we we got older texts, when we did the first world of color, the definitions we laid down for a particular color, which is a product of vibration, uh, they're verbatim. So what this tells us is there was a time when people understood what a color meant. And we've come so far from this as an example before we jump in. Uh, Scarlet, the color scarlet, which by the way, all the Vatican guys are wearing scarlet stated. That's the state, the color they're wearing is scarlet. That is anger. (laughs) So what are those dudes doing in that supposed spiritual edifice wearing anger? But anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a fine Louisiana good morning. Yeah, we're having one hell of a November here. It's been 70 degrees, so I'm not complaining, but do we have anything or should we do this thing? No, there's stuff with the film that I'm working on with some nice folks in the works, but uh, nothing to report yet, so let's move forward. Is there any idea when that's going to see the light of day? The idea is late spring, but that depends upon a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. It's not easy to put all that stuff together. Well, just travel right now is a huge issue. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say nobody can travel, and when they do, they got to look like Hannibal Lecter. Travel is a hassle, and way more so than it needs to be, and I'm sure that's on purpose. Well, this silliness is going to burn itself out, I would imagine, before too, too long. People are getting tired. You can watch the folks on the news at night fidgeting with their face diapers. Tells you people are getting burned out, even the people who are bought in. But anyhow, let's revisit color here and try to tie together things like Mandara's cymatic episode. We're always harping on the importance of cymatics. To me, it's like one of the primary things that we lost. If we hadn't lost cymatics and what it means and all that could be done with it, we'd be in a much different world. And this starts to speak to that. And by the way, there are some people in the main forum who are temporarily out of work or stuck at home. And they are creating a web app to start a cymatics library, which if people remember back to the Mandara episode on cymatics, I said, how the hell is it that we're in the the millennium we're in and we don't have a library of cymatic images? Well, people are starting to pick up the gauntlet I dropped and they're going to use round plates and square plates and start matching the sacred geometry or the vibrational rate in image form uh, with the frequency that made it. And that will lead into tons of things. Then we can start to match color, uh, healthful frequencies. It sky's the limit. But anyhow, go ahead, Jason. While the consideration of this information has been pushed out of the mainstream mindset, the good news about being in the modern era is that it's actually quite easy for people to acquire equipment to do it for a very minimal cost and actually start doing this. There's actually some decent tools. I'm, I'm not, I think some of them are a little bit pricey, but there's actually some, some cymatic tools which people couldn't easily make. And I think they'll deal with liquids and other things. Uh, and just to be clear, I think the library we're talking about will use a dry round or square plate with some medium that's akin to sand. Um, but there are other ways to do it. Of course, you can use viscous liquids and all kinds of things. All right, here we go. 
In all organic bodies, the various atoms, electrons, and molecules are drawn together by reason of the different rates of vibration, uniting into the diverse notes, chords, and tones, being held together by adhesion and cohesion so as to form a body composed of thousands and millions of electrons, atoms, and molecules, vibrating and revolving around each other, held in position by reason of their vibratory relation to a common center of gravity. Okay, so what we're doing here is we're jumping into much older, what I'll call natural science ideas. Of course, this will you know, pierce into alchemy and other things. Two big words you just heard were adhesion and cohesion. But Probably a lot of minds glazed over because we started to say things like atoms, electrons, and molecules. But I would point out in this older way of thinking about how the world actually works, there are precious few so-called particles. And you get things like what's called an ultimate atom. It's not this big particle zoo. It is wholly different than the way people in chemistry would be uh, thinking about these things. And uh, Part of it is that it's not apples and apples, but at the foundation of how does this place work, what we're talking about is there are a limited number of so-called particles, and I don't even think that's the right word. I don't think they use that, uh, and vibration is uniting them. One of the examples I recently read was that concrete is hard because it's at a different vibrational rate than you. In other words, if you could lift your vibrational rate immensely, you could put your hand right into the concrete. And so if you think of a concrete and a marshmallow, uh, the marshmallow is not as cohesively and, you know, using adhesion and cohesion to hold together as much. So it's soft and squishy, where the concrete is at a very high rate of vibration. I hope I got that right. I should have checked before I spoke. Well, right from the get-go here, the way this is being presented, the vibration is being taken into consideration in a much larger way than perhaps the mainstream science would today. And of course, that's absolutely true. There's more going on with the importance of the vibration and also frequency than is normally considered. It's everything. I mean, it's foundational to everything and it's not, you know, it's been pushed off to the side. People can go online and look up cymatics where people just simply put a solid plate and some sand-like medium and think about what you're watching because your mind wants to say, oh, that's eye candy, that's beautiful, that's interesting. But if you focus your mind on what you are witnessing, you will realize at some point, I just watched form magically create out of nowhere. And what you should know is the geometry it forms. So say there's like a, a, a geometry like a four-lobed flower um, where the petals would be, where the absence of sand is, is where the vibration is circulating in one way or another. And where the sand is, is where there's less resonance. But what you're looking at is literally form being created. And so people who are familiar with the importance of geometries like the so-called seed of life, which is also related to the flower of life. And that, of course, that blows out in one way or another to the tree of life. But there are people now working to match the cymatic patterns. I saw it not too long ago to try to create the seed pattern. And these are big deals, but let's just move through. We have one more bullet point on ketones, and we're only briefly going to touch on the tone ideas. We're going to focus mainly on color. I also wonder if the medium could be done from, instead of a two-dimensional perspective, in a three-dimensional perspective, how much more of an image you'd see representing the universe. 
So Mandara was into that a little bit, and this is what some of the liquid cymatics tools allow you to do. Hey, but how many people have seen that black liquid that is magnetic and it kind of draws out these spikes and magnets? You know, this is akin to what's going on. It's showing you how the magnetism is being made visible, but it's three-dimensional. So when you start to use viscous liquids and other ways to create cymatics to be imaged, um, and in Hans Jenny's book, uh, you'll see some work with 3D cymatics. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole world that we lost that we need to get back. And in my view, that starts with a library. How, how can it be that I can't go grab a book or go online and look and get thousands of geometric images on round and square plates uh, matched perfectly to a frequency and how it was done. It's ridiculous. I mean, you can find the Kaladni stuff, which is basically sketches, uh, but it's poorly sighted. Quite often, the frequencies used are not matched to it, and it's not complete. And by the way, I went and looked up the Kaladni stuff to see if I could buy a book. The book was something like four grand. I kid you not. Yeah, that tells you a lot. It does. This principle is really the origin of all form, be it great or small. The molecules which collectively go to form a group of molecules, or what would term a bit of matter, being the compound result of the association of a number of different molecules. There is a dominant note which, by reason of its greater power, is able to dominate, control, and give direction to the activities of the various notes and tones in the vibration, so that all the molecules are held in a certain relation by reason of this dominant note. This is termed the keynote. It is because of the relation which the vibrating molecules have to this central dominant or keynote that the integrity of any group of matter is made possible. There is also color in association with these vibratory states. All right, that's that's why we did the T up here. If you see a color, it's because of a vibration rate. This goes back to when we were doing a little more in alchemy and focusing in on spagyrics, where the alchemist wanted to make a medicine. He goes out to the garden and he sees a flower and he knows the month, so he knows the flower is blooming now. He sees the color. He sees the number of petals on the flower and instantly he knows a litany of things about this particular plant, vibration rate, feminine, masculine, polarity, what part of the body it should associate, all these things just from knowing what we're talking about and having a glance at it, a cursory look, getting so much information that the average person now couldn't possibly get. But let's delve into the idea of keynotes, which we'll come back on in probably another episode. How many people are familiar with that little, I think it's attributed to supposed Tesla. Um, there's like this little black box that vibrates. And the allegory we've been given is, oh, you can take this box and put it on a bridge and just let it resonate, vibrate, vibrate, vibrate. And eventually, and this has been demonstrated, the whole bridge will resonate to that vibration and it'll just at some point disintegrate. This is because of a keynote. Now, the keynote is akin to the idea of an arch. So everybody knows how an arch works. And that one stone with the funny slant cut is a key. It's a key stone. You pull that stone out of an arch, the arch crumbles. The principle of the keynote is no different. And I was just doing research where it is claimed that each body of, of a man or a woman has a keynote. 
and you could literally pick up a violin if you knew the keynote and could find it and you slowly resonated that note, you could reinvigorate your body. These are some of the claims being made from the older information we can still get our hands on. It is further said that if you aggressively played that note or quickly, then the effect would be diminished. And this starts to tell you something about the law of rhythm, uh, the law of polarity, these ideas. But the keynote is critically important and we'll come back on it again, but nobody should be fooled. If you're seeing a color, that's due to vibration. If you're seeing a form, that's due to vibration. And, and it's not like people didn't know it. You're, you're telling me that that the supposed Beach Boys, what's the Wilson's name? Brian Wilson. All right. What was he supposedly in his 20, 20s when he wrote the song Good Vibrations? And I've harped on this a lot of times. Um, I'm picking up good vibrations. I'm picking up excitations. Um, I love I love the color of the clothes she wears. I love the way the sunlight dances on her hair. It goes on. It's all about what we're talking about here. How the hell did that 20-year-old kid back in the 60s know this stuff? Did he write it? That, my first guess would be no, he probably didn't. My point is there are people who know this stuff, and you can prove it out by the way it gets encoded into things. Sir Isaac Newton determined that there must be seven, as opposed to six, colors back when he was experimenting with prisms and discovering what would become the modern theory on optics. In 1655, Newton was sent home from school at Cambridge during the bubonic plague. (laughs) This was when he began his investigations. He explored how light passed through the prisms at different angles and formed different colors. The seven colors that he named would become the colors of the rainbow that we now use by the abbreviation Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. All right, we're going to use some poppycock to make a point here. <laughs> uh, history is a lie agreed upon, and besides the bubonic nonsense and just using the name Newton, it's about like saying Tesla. There's so much kind of fiction built up and you know majesty around these names that there's there's no getting back. To what's actually there, I'm sure. But the ideas expressed, we can talk about. So basically what they're saying here is some dude took a prism, he split white light apart, and lo and behold, there were seven colors, which shouldn't have been a mystery from the beginning because you can look at a rainbow. Uh, people will argue about how much color is visible in a rainbow. But this goes on to talk about other things. We're told about the waveforms. Like if you look at a, a rainbow as an example of the supposed seven colors, why is blue always on the bottom? Modern science will tell us, well, because it's the shortest wave, right? And red being the longest. And there's other indicators that any common sense mind can do in real life. Like how many people skin dive? I love diving in the water. The first color that disappears when you start going down, and I mean within a foot or two, is blue. Um, It's a similar idea, but these older sciences are going to describe why that is in a different way. And at the foundation of it, these things are going to be about vibration. But nonetheless, you could set all this aside if you just understand the vibration is creating these things as we get into the color and the fact that we basically lost what any of this means at some point. Not lost forever, but temporarily the average mind can't reference it at all. Newton decided that there must be seven colors due to the number seven having spiritual and mystical properties. There were seven luminaries visible in the sky clock. There were seven notes on the musical scale. Newton knew that green, the strongest color from the sun, would be the central color, and around green would fall red, 
orange and yellow at one end, with blue and violet at the other. He then needed the seventh color. He drew inspiration from the new blue dye that had been imported from the Indies, known as the indigo dye. Okay, so I'll make a point here. Um, in, in these claims, they're saying that the, the green is one of the most powerful makes up. But think about this. If you had to look at the world, like if you're on land, I guess we'd have to say, what in springtime, what would be the most common color? And so some people are going to say, you look up at sky, it's blue. I, I'm talking about the things that are being created on the fly here on the land. Um, green would be dominant. Uh, later we'll get into it and show that green is a color of action. But think of all the advertising that comes your way with that non-natural kind of electric neon green that does not occur in nature as far as I know. Uh, like the, we say it all the time, the band Poison used it back in the 80s as their branding color. And when we were doing the Ebola nonsense and all that, we pointed out that all the pictures from the press pool uh, were implanting versions of this unnatural green. You're going to start to understand why here. Someone somewhere understands what we're talking about. Um, what would you say, Jason? Well, again, this goes to the decades thing. You can see how colors were integrated very strongly into different decades to give you different representations of what they wanted people to be picking up on. And yeah, the, the garish green of the 80s, that neon thing, was never really seen before. And it was pushed super, super hard in the 80s. Just look at logos and things like that. Big time. This is important. Yeah, well, think think of, you know, there's so much argument about the tuning of musical instruments to 440 or some other so-called Verde or green tuning, 432 being one of the most popular you hear. But there were many. Um, a lot of people like to argue there's no difference, and it's just not true. Uh, a different vibration rate is a different vibration rate. It will create a different geometry when cymatically displayed. And by what we have laid down here, color is created by, by vibration. So if you take a vibration that's making a color and you changed it slightly, so would the color. So you cannot make the argument that 440 has no effect. You can't do it. Now, what I choose to accept and what you choose to accept may be in different neighborhoods in a city. I don't know. My point here is that when you go from 440 to 432, as an example, you're changing, I think it's eight cycles a second, uh, which is now called Hertz, by the way, and words have meanings. Why, why, when I was young, was it fine to talk about these things as cycles, which is actually a better descriptive term? Now, we covered this from the James Shelby Downer. This relates to the Hertz rent-a-car and electricity and radio and all kinds of things. Somewhere along the line, someone decided that we're going to give this a family name that also has the phonetic meaning of injuring someone, Hertz. Why? We were perfectly okay. Cycles per second. Self-descriptive, well-labeled, lets a mind know what we're talking about. Hertz does none of those things, if you follow. But it does have a meaning and a reason, doesn't it? Now, to get back to the point here, well, I'll, I'll put this off for a minute. Let's, let's dive in a little further. From the book, Hermetic Science of Motion and Number, by A.S. Raleigh. As all vibratory activity expresses itself in form, color, and sound, it follows that the energy is always of that particular color, shade, or tint, which belongs to that particular rate of vibration. This is true not only of those colors, shades, and tints which are perceptible to visible sight, but also of the finer forces of nature which transcend the physical senses. 
All energy of whatever quality is continually vibrating at some rate, and by reason of this vibration, it assumes the color, shade, or tint belonging to that specific rate of vibration. As the quality and value of all forms of energy is due to their rate of vibration, it follows that the color, being an indication of the rate of vibration, will also indicate the quality of the vibrating energy. This is a critically important point. The quality of the vibrating energy. If people thought in these more simplistic terms, think of all the beneficial things we could do from it. But it goes on to say, or we open by saying, as all vibratory activity expresses itself in form, color, and sound. And there's actually a bit more because we could get into the light ideas and other things, but it's pointing out verbatim, unquestionably, that every vibration or every form, color, and sound we see belongs to a particular rate of vibration. When we get to the keynote ideas, this is going to be blown out. But it goes on to say that even the things we can't detect, like, you know, people are the, the, the wave, the wave spectrum, you know, the visible spectrum, such a tiny part. It goes on to say here that this is still true of all those vibration rates that we can't detect. So think about what we're saying. If you took those vibration rates and did cymatics and other things with them, all of a sudden you're back to this invisible thing that we know exists. We can actually make it visible, see it, study it, understand things about it. Uh, and this is a far cry from the state of so-called science right now. Knowing what the color of something is can tell us a great amount about the thing in question. The color of a visible object is due to the rate of vibration of the molecules and atoms composing it, and therefore the value of this object may be distinguished by its color, the same as the value of energy in a state of diffusion. The whole consideration of color is one of vibration, and colors divide and subdivide themselves according to their occult value. We must, therefore, go into color chemistry in order to understand the problem of color. Let us start with the primary colors. These are red, blue, and yellow. All the other colors are combinations of these colors in certain proportions. Hey, Digital Era, did you hear that? The primary colors are red, blue, and yellow. So, folks... Older than dirt like me, remember this from the crayons in school, but the younger minds these days are probably mostly convinced that there is no yellow as a primary, it's green, right? All computers work on RGB. And that's a whole other thing about the synthetic nature of our reality. Now, if you take a crayon, and everybody knows, if you take a red crayon and a blue crayon and you mix them together on paper, you get purple. But there is a quality going on that most people overlook. That is the physical mixing of two physical vibration rates, and the light is being reflected from that to your eye. When you get up into the digital systems that are so synthetic and so far from reality that we use now, if you take pure red and pure blue and mix them, you do not get purple. But what's more is there's no reflected light as we see when we walk out into nature. It's projected or what I call projected light. Whole other thing going on. But it states here verbatim exactly what we were talking about with the alchemist in the garden. The value of this object may be distinguished by its color. That's a pretty important thing. And then he goes on to say their occult value, which is basically their hidden value can be made known or visible or understandable if you understand these principles. 
But here is the crux of the age change that we have witnessed in my lifetime. There was a time in my life when primary colors were red, blue, and yellow. There is a time in my life now where the majority of the so-called primaries are not going to use yellow but green in the digital world, which means that all these things created in a digital synthetic system are all the more, how can I say it, divorced from nature because of the, the simple functioning aspect. Now get back to the green idea that I expressed earlier, which is a color of action, but does somebody somewhere understand how these vibratory rates affect human beings? And I would suggest that it has to be, or you wouldn't be able to go to all those press pool images and see that synthetic green. Oh, there's a green bucket. Oh, there's green gloves. Every one of them. And what's the idea being expressed? Well, the precursor to 2020, right? What are we all dealing with? We started this game in roughly 2002, and all these things that were going to kill us, uh, West Nile, Ebola, SARS, goes on and on and on. But at some point, people began to realize, wait a minute, what's going on with these images? There's a Pavlonian thing going on here, and all us dogs are salivating, and we don't understand why. This episode is getting to the root of why and how we should get back thinking about the realities in the one place we can go and see no lie, and that's nature. This is how nature works, basically. We will begin with red. Red is the physical color and is the color of all physical energy. There are various shades of red which have their various significations. However, red is the physical color. For the most part, you will also attribute red in the way we're speaking of it here with masculine ideas or male ideas, which would make the polarity positive. Uh, which would make the correspondence electrical. And this is not always going to hold across the board, but as a rule of thumb, look at all those things I just derived that most people would never think of, seeing the color red. When I see a red rose, I'm thinking about it much differently than I did when I was in my 20s, and we're getting into those reasons now. And the idea of changing the shade with either black or red should be a big, big clue to anybody. And I'll ask the questions. Why are the dudes in that courtroom wearing black gowns? Why are those dudes in that church wearing black clothing? Well, you're going to find out before we get done here. And as we go through these colors, think about where in society you have seen them used, because exactly. there's a good chance that whomever chose those colors knew what they were doing. There was a reason for the season when these things were implemented, and there are still people, I am convinced, in this world now who understand why it all went that way and why it's still that way. It's more than just tradition, I assure you. The color of ether is pink, or more literally speaking, the color of a fresh-blown peach blossom, although its vibration is so intense that very few people are able to see the vibration. But ether is always pink. You know who knows this, Jason? What's the biggest new conglomerate 5G network? T-Mobile and something else? Have you seen the commercials where the pink ether colored, the color of ether is pink. It is always pink and very specifically, not just any old pink, a fresh blown peach blossom pink. And somehow uh, the 5G networks all know what the ether is with their 5G networks. When the waves go out in their commercials and cover a whole city, what color are you looking at? This another version of unnatural, bizarre electric pink but they know damn well. It's demonstrable. They know damn well. And this goes on to point out a very important thing. 
when a mind comes back to common sense and itself and begins to spiritually lift and become something more of what a living man or a living woman can be when they're not retarded their whole lives by systems that seek to retard, um, they can begin to actually visually pick up things like the ether. And if anyone doesn't believe it, go look at all the places that document it one way or another. Crimson is the color of affection and human feeling. It is the self-relative color because our affection is given to persons on account of their particular relation to us. Affection is purely a physical and animal feeling. It is not one of the high and noble emotions that it has generally been supposed to be, but is purely animal in its character, pertaining solely to the physical nature of man. Therefore, the color which it produces is crimson, the color of blood, because it is through this blood relation that we have this outgrowth of affection. All right, there's a lot here, and, you know, people... It's where people get upset because their whole life they've been pushed to think about things one way. What they're basically saying here is when you're watching a movie and people are engaged in a love triangle or love between a man and a woman, uh, it's elevated in the minds of where we currently exist to be of the most high emotions when in fact it's provably an animal emotion and that true love is something altogether different. And I know a ton of people are going to get hung up on that, but I'm sorry. It is what it is. But notice here, um, you know, I used to marvel at the, there were these indigenous tribes in the rainforest and they were trying to describe how they came to know certain plants were good for certain things and so many of them um they would say look see how that leaf looks like lungs well that plant's actually used for the lungs well look we got a similar almost phonetic in a different way idea going on um crimson is the color of blood and so you can see how the emotion is attached, you know, hot blood and getting your blood up, all these ideas. Um, we need to get back to these things. But, you know, to, to simply look at the idea of affection or physical love as a lower emotion, then you start to understand what's going on between Virgo and the scorpion. The scorpion being exactly this, the low representation of primal urges, sex ideas, but can be transmuted into that lofty white eagle. It's like all things in this world, it, there's a duality. Um, take the number 10 to, to make the point. In a lot of systems, the number 10 is viewed as perfection. But look at the idea that's phonetically like, say, 10. What does that sound like? Sounds like I just said Satan, right? Well, there it is. The flip side opposite of perfection. Everything has a duality to make the point. But I can't think of a better way to describe that at the moment. Scarlet is the color of anger, the color which the astral body of man assumes when he is in an intensely angry condition. Anger is really the forcible action of the will, in a very positive manner, moving outward, acting from the center of the being outward. This is what produces the state of anger. It is also related to the physical. In anger, we feel our whole repulsion rising against the physical body of the object of our anger, just as in affection it is the drawing of the physical. We cannot have affection for a person's soul, neither can we have anger at the soul. Both of these emotional states are related to the physical nature. Therefore, it is always red. There it is, man. There's the correspondence. 
You can only be angry at the physical thing. And by the way, it's red. And by the way, the blood in that physical thing is red. All these correspondences. And this is why it's the more low animal nature. Um, a thing that can be so-called transmuted or transformed into a higher nature, a more righteous or godlike or whatever your tradition may offer to be something more than you get away from these physical desiring states. But here it is. I'll ask the question again. Hey, dudes in the Vatican that are stating outright the color of your robes is scarlet. Why are you wearing anger? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they're in a state of war. And they always have been from a certain point forward in the same way we know that the legal systems here in the United States view us as enemy combatants since basically 1933, even going back further. Um, if you had to match the idea of war with a color, wouldn't it be scarlet anger? Wouldn't it be? I mean, we could attribute other things, but I'm just saying. Red is also the color of the will. Wherever the will is expressed, it assumes the red color, because will is the outflowing or manifesting principle, the extension or presentation of the self into manifestation. Therefore, it is the same truth expressing itself in and through the physical. It must, therefore, bring about a vibratory tendency toward physical expression. Consequently, it becomes the color of red. There it is, again, tying it to the physical. You know, what's that old quote? Uh, when someone dies, throwing off this mortal coil. Do you see what we're getting at here? Um, in my view, a human being goes on after this, and we leave our 3D body behind. In my point of view, there's no thing called space. You can take your body or any vehicle or any physical thing too. That's my point of view based on all the years I sat behind a telescope and challenged all the things I was being told and then got my hand on older things. And I'm not alone in these assumptions. I came to these assumptions alone and then I, I realized, hey, other people said these things were correct and they did it based on firsthand observation. But there's in, in this breakdown of the color red, there's also a positive attribute because it's the color of will. So you want to manifest something in this world. You've got to have the willpower to do it. I'm going to build something. I'm going to heal someone. So like all things, there's the flip side, right? Red to use your willpower to create. Although we all know that the willpower can be used for other things. Just look around at the so-called authority in our world. What are they using red for? Rose is the color of life, the color of the prana. As we approach toward the physical, it is more red. The highest degree of physical life is red. As the life is brought under the influence of emotion, it takes on the blue color, and whatever color is found to be blended with this red or rose color will indicate the presence in that degree of that particular color. Also, it should be borne in mind that the paler shades indicate a corresponding weakness of that particular principle, accompanied by a corresponding preponderance of the spiritual principle, which is white, while the darker shades indicate a presence of the black element, the element of destruction, disintegration, the material, evil, etc. You've been told some critically important things here, but since we opened up with Rose, let's give a nod to Rose. Cheers to Rose. Here again, they underscore the physical life is red, but now they're getting into a critical idea. And here's, I use this all the time. As an example, in my garden right now in November in Rhode Island, which is generally freezing by now, uh, there are still some flowers and they are a pale pink. I can't tell you 
what I was able to deduce. And they have tons of little pedals. Um, think of a cymatic pattern. The frequency has to go up to get more lobes in the sacred geometry. All these things I now know about my flower and my garden because I'm beginning to understand these things. But look what it says here. We use these things all the time. Physical life is red, further underscoring the physical or lower animal nature for the most part. But when emotion starts to come in, it takes on a blue color. Now do you get why we call a particular very emotional type of music the blues? Someone knew this stuff or it wouldn't have that name. So whatever the color is, there's a blending. And each blending gives you different abilities to understand. But the most important thing told you here is that when a shade becomes paler, in other words, the adding of white, the preponderance of that color is decreasing, or maybe I could say, and I hope I'm getting this right, the physical nature is decreasing while the spiritual nature rises because the corresponding preponderance of, of the spiritual principle is white. So if I take a red as an example, and I start putting more white, more white, it's getting less physical, it's getting more spiritual. Now, remember the ether, that's an intense shade of pink, but that tells you that it's a mixture of, of the red physical idea and the white spiritual idea. But at the end of this, here's the exclamation point for the world we exist in now. So it goes to say, where is it? While the darker shades indicate the presence of bl the black element, they're calling it an element, not a color white and black, they refer to mostly as elements. I think in other places they'll call them shades, but the point is they're not treating it as one of the seven for the most part. The element of destruction is black. Disintegration, think of the negredo or the taking apart in the alchemical procedures and to top it off, they go flat out. The material and the evil. So when you take a color and you begin to add black to it, basically what you're doing is reducing the actual preponderance of whatever that initial color meant and decreasing it and maybe the physical ideas of what it means and you're bringing in negative ideas. Now, we shouldn't get confused here. If we look at the idea of male and female, we're looking at electric and magnetic, respectively, positive electric, negative polarity, feminine, but that negative does not mean bad. Now, it can mean things we don't appreciate, but on a whole, it is simply like the battery. We want energy from this battery. Guess what? You ain't got a positive and a negative pole. You ain't got power. Do you understand? These things need both to work. But when we come back around to why those dudes are wearing scarlet or why those dudes are wearing black robes, now you're starting to know something. And it, from my point of view, it is not deniable. Not deniable in the least. These are the physical, provable characteristics of these things in nature we call color. The second primary color is blue. Blue is the color of emotion, the color of the astral body and of the astral plane. All astral matter, all energy vibrating on the astral octave is blue or red according as it is the positive or negative aspect blue being the negative, feminine, or magnetic side of astral matter, while red is the positive, masculine side, or the will, to sum it up in a single word.
The more blue the matter may be, indicating the absence of the red, the more magnetic it is, while the redder it is, the more electrical it may be. Will and desire are thus the two poles of astral matter, will being red, desire blue. The dark blue indicates the more material desires, the pale blue, the more spiritual. All right. Uh, so much. Listen to that whole thing again, if you will. But there's an important thing going on. I don't know if people caught it. There's an idea of astral planes, buddhic planes, mental planes. And most people think it's new age nonsense, thanks to the hippies who did a little too much LSD and made this stuff dippy trippy. But there is an idea here that permeates almost every old spiritual tradition. And this is part of the reason I say we're not leaving here. Probably the same reason old Werner von Braun left a Psalm 191 or whatever it is on his headstone, basically trying to convince us he launched rockets into this thing called space, and then on his deathbed tells us the handiwork of God can be seen in the firmament. Well, which one is it, Werner? I'll take the deathbed. But this is the idea. The idea being where, where we're showing here that the red is primarily a physical attribute, and the blue is primarily a emotional attribute. One positive, one negative, one electric, one magnetic. It's almost like our physical beings are tuned to this place we call Earth, the world, our atmosphere. And there's the so-called cage. If you're not tuned to a place, you can't be in a place, right? Or you can't exist in the same way in a place. And so when we die and our bodies go away and the mind goes on, well, that's a wholly other thing, right? And so this starts to back the idea of what are all these old yogi sitting on a mountaintop claiming I, I got out of here and I took a look around out there and here's what I experienced or the flamel. Go look up the flamel woodcut, the little alchemy dude poking his head out of our atmosphere, looking to see what's beyond. That's where those ideas come from. But they also tie it back to the very thing that underscores all of this. They call it the astral octave. So for people who don't play music, basically, as you learned earlier, there's seven notes, or that's the way we describe it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, okay? Now, when you get to that G and you keep going, you go back to A. Well, we started on A, but there's a difference. That next A you go to after the seven notes is called an octave higher. So you could almost think of it as doubling the vibration, and that's not always 100% right. But that first A is not the same high rate of vibration as that next A, which will be an octave up. So what they're imparting here is music is all the more important than you ever realized, because as you're going up through octaves, that's the bit like what we experience in, I don't know what you call it, the universe beyond our world. But here again, when I go out into my garden, I know interest instantly, hey man, that thing is predominantly electric, male, positive in polarity. And by the way, look, it's got like more little petals than I can count. That is a very high vibration. And look at the purity or the paleness of the red. And right now in November, there are very pink looking flowers with many petals. Think about what we know about that. That is a very high rate of vibration to pull all those petals into that geometry. And look at all the white that went into that red, which are spiritual ideas, reducing the physical attributes of the red and increasing the spiritual attributes of the white. And uh, to be honest, this is such a baby's level, and I know it, but you got to start somewhere. 
It should be kept in mind that these colors are not simply a sign as a form of symbolism to represent those emotions. On the contrary, in their very nature, those emotions, when active, will vibrate at such a rate as to naturally take that color. It is part of the very nature of reality. So what's being expressed here, I accept wholeheartedly. These things are not arguable. Um, there is no lie in nature. So, you know, if there was an anger, it would always be scarlet or something very close to scarlet, provable by its vibration rate, which brings us back to why is a cymatic library so important? Because at some point, you start to match all these frequencies and learn all these things. You've got the round geometry, the square geometry. You can even go triangular or other things, but those are the two basics. And you start to get to a point where now you can match the color and maybe form and other things. Which of these are the most healthy to the physical form? And by the way, are people all different? Does this frequency good for these types of people and this one better for those types of people? But to bring it back around, by the time you can get to matching these cymatic libraries out to color, do you understand the value in it now? Because these are inarguable things. It is what it is. There is no lie in nature. I will wake up learning what I just learned and never have to question it again because it damn well is what it is. And I shouldn't have used the word damn because it's actually righteously what it is. Indigo blue is the color of occultism, and the dark indigo partakes of the evil, the element of sorcery to a certain extent, the left-hand power, while the pure indigo is emblematic of pure occultism. Okay, so basically this is simple. And by the way, how many people have gone up? This is where I've seen it. Have you ever gone into those restaurants where they have those tiny little glass hanging lights, and they're an incredibly dark indigo beyond cobalt indigo blue and you get a feeling from that every time i see it i get a feeling from it but basically what's being illustrated is someone took blue and black started to get added and so that is the idea that it's partaking of evil because it's being overwhelmed by the black the disillusionment um where on the other side a more pure indigo is going to be absent of that influence if i explain that correctly or not I think I got it. Indigo, interestingly enough, became a highly sought-after color to make dye from, originating from a plant. It was desired in many Western countries, and the production of indigo became a cash crop for many, especially in the American colonial era. Indigo is also the very dye that the originators of Levi's jeans used in 1873. <laughs> so, back in the day... Did old Levi understand color and the way we're expressing it? That's your bottom dollar he did. So the dyeing is a big deal. It used to be a big deal, which proved that they knew the importance of what is happening when you change the color of, say, a white T-shirt. You're not just changing the appeal to the eye. You are physically changing the vibratory rate, and they knew it. They knew it so wholeheartedly that they indexed a way to schematize the art of dyeing. And so what they said was pure wool, pure white wool is the most easily dyed so-called cloth that we can get our hands on. So that's the baseline. So when we take this dye and we're intending to get this color, which is not easy, by the way, and I won't get into that, but they knew that if they had pure white wool, which was white as the driven snow, 
that that would take on the color the most readily and therefore most readily take on the vibration of the color they were after and imparting all the spiritual overtones, all the physical overtones, everything that we've been addressing here. And what has gone on is the further we got away from natural wool into these synthetic things, some of those things just can't be dyed certain colors. Um, as a matter of fact, there were certain things that couldn't be done with dye and they wouldn't even attempt it because they didn't have control over the process I'm trying to explain. Now bring it back around full circle. Think about the Levi's guy and why he's doing what he's doing and why didn't he dye it any other color that was cheaper or anything else. But now think about purple again. Purple is red and blue brought together and we'll get there in a minute. But my point is now you can think a little differently when there are claims in some supposed history and some supposed time we can't prove one way or the other that it was against the law for any commoner to wear purple. Well, I'll tell you what I know about purple. It's red and blue bought together. That's both of every spectrum we've talked about, but it signifies mastery. So now do you know why the royals are working up all the purple? And in some cases, threatening you with death if you put on the purple. So is that just about we don't want you to look good in purple? Or is it actually the vibrational rate of mastery they don't want the commoners using, I would ask? All right, Jason, that brings hour one of episode 269 to a close. And we've expounded to some degree on the mysterious world or amazing world of color, whatever I named that one way back in the day. But these are critical things. And from my point of view, if we want to get away from this kind of madhouse world we're in now, these are the ideas we need to get back to. And why? Because everything in our madhouse world is poppycock, provable poppycock. These ideas are not. They are proven true, righteous, godly, whatever you want to call it, by nature where there is no lie. And that's the difference. You know, I was just saw the parts of that movie Noah with Russell Crowe again. And the whole thing is Noah takes care of nature and interacts with nature. And he's the godly. And look at this dude, Tubal Cain. He's the evil dude. What's he doing? He's making metal and he's crafting things. And he's, you know, doing, they, they make a big division out of what's going on. You could almost take that allegory and wrap it up with our world now. Why is everyone locked up right now? Why is everyone going through hardship? Because someone told a lie, a provable lie in this world. And what's driving it? Well, what's driving it is the real contagion called fear. Fear has a color too, by the way. And so if we can get back to these provably true things, righteous in nature, no question about it, in my view, that's the road to a better place. Anything you want to add before I wrap it up? Well, you had started to get into purple and violet and all that, and that is what we're going to pick up with in hour two. Purple's a big deal. It really is. And uh, <laughs> indeed, the Royals did not want you using it for good reason. No, and we'll, we'll use Prince once again to demonstrate that in the real world, what we're saying can be observed. But the big deal here to me is like for those of you out there that like to grow things or appreciate flowers, Start paying attention based on these principles, and there's almost like a level of knowing and communication that will transcend the knowing that we've tried to express here to a personal, elevated experience that you will begin to understand in a way that probably previous you did not. But that brings hour one of episode 269, basically about a keynotes and color and under it all vibration to a close, and we hope you'll join us all at Crow 777 Radio dot com for hour two that's c-r-r-o-w seven 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 radio 
com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded end to this era. We hope to see you over at the website on the other side. Cheers.